This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Okay, welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. This is going to be a fun episode. This is one of my Jay Leno episodes that I love to do so much, just digging into his collection. It's kind of hard to keep track at times because I showed he had 184 cars, but uh, as I watch his videos, it seems like there's always a new car popping up that I did not know about. So this is actually the second to the last episode. If you go back, I just had the weird and wonderful cars. I've had his American classics. I've had his European classics. I had the performance and race cars. A lot of really incredible, cool, fun stuff. But what I found while I'm going through his collection is there's a couple noticeable... I don't want to say gaps, but there's areas where I'm surprised he doesn't have a car uh, for one reason or another, whether it's he's missing a decade, he's missing an injury con configuration, he's missing a particular brand. Um, anyways, so that's what the purpose of this episode is, is to kind of dig into the cars that I think should be in Jay Leno's collection. What's pretty funny is that when I did meet him out at Vegas, I had like three seconds to talk to him. Super nice guy. And I kind of mentioned, oh, I'd love to have you on. And I, I totally said it the wrong way. I said, I'd love to have you on so I could tell you the cars that need to be in your collection. <laughs> and he just kind of looked at me like, what? <laughs> so I didn't really share that appropriately. Uh, but this will be a lot of fun. I think what I might do is at the very end, I might do my last one will be kind of what is his collection worth? There's a ton of articles out here on out there on what his collection is worth. But I think the fun part is, is I can take it kind of to the next level. Not only will I do it, uh, what are the cars worth in today's marketplace, but I'll add the Jay Leno tax. So, you know, like um, a car that maybe is only worth about 20 grand, the Jay Leno tax to have that car would be a lot higher. You know, someone might be willing to pay 300% more, three times as much more, uh, because it's a low price point. Whereas the McLaren F1, nobody's going to pay three times as much for McLaren F1. So that tax rate would be a lot less. So it'll be kind of a sliding scale. Uh, I think that'll be fun to do. Now, uh, Vin Wiki just did an episode about what Jay Leno's cars are worth. And I haven't watched the entire thing yet. I did find it interesting. His Chrysler turbine car, which is, I believe, the only one in private hands, they put the number on that, like four to eight million dollars, something truly crazy. I wouldn't go that high. Uh, so I do have thoughts on that particular car, but that will be for a future episode. So um, I do want to give before we get into my uh, my theory and why I picked the cars I picked. Um, I do want to go over some of the honorable mention cars because there are some cars I just think he would really love to have in his collection. Um, they're not necessarily ones I feel like he has to have in his collection because the ones I did pick were for specific reasons. These are ones I just think would be cool in his collection. So the first one is a Boss 302. So that would be 1969 or 1970 uh, Boss 302. These are awesome, incredible cars. Uh, all came factory four-speed, no AC, made for uh, racing, uh, the racing series. Really cool cars. I, I didn't put this in my official pick list because he does have a 65 Shelby GT350. Um, he does have an AC Cobra, so it kind of checks the Ford Performance box with those two. But this would, as I said, is an honorable mention. All right, the next honorable mention uh, is this Maserati Birdcage. So this is an incredible car. Just absolutely stunning, beautiful. They didn't make too many of these. Um, you can see why it's called a Birdcage because of the tubing uh, up behind the steering wheel. Um, really, really iconic car. Really, really cool. So that's an honorable mention. 
I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these. All right, the Bentley Continental R, fastback, uh, stunning. Jay loves his cars from the 50s. They only made 100 or 207 of these, so pretty rare, pretty high price point. They're trading around a million to a million and a half, depending on colors and provenance, that kind of stuff. Uh, but that's an iconic British car from the 50s. I think that would be a great add to his collection. Now, the Pierce Arrow Silver Arrow. Now, they only made, I think, five of these. RM recently had one at Hershey way back in 2017. I want to call this the most attractive looking car in the world, but they are pretty iconic. Uh, actually, they are pretty cool looking. So I just know he likes his uh, Pierce Arrows. And then one car, he actually had it on his... It wasn't his car, but someone else's car. It was a Chrysler 300. I don't recall if it was a convertible or not, uh, but the key thing about it was uh, it was a factory fuel-y, fuel-injected car, which apparently was extremely rare. You can go back and watch the video of him talking about it. He obviously really liked the car. Uh, I just think he needs to put that car in his collection. I, I want to say there was less than 25 of them made, and maybe they didn't run that great initially, like the Corvettes of the same era. Uh, so extremely rare. Uh, he had one in his garage. It was not his, but I thought that would be a cool ad. Another one would be a Miller race car. So he often talks about how innovative the Miller engines were. Double overhead cam, just so innovative at the time. And he has so much of his collection is based on innovation. Uh, and I think that would be an incredibly cool ad. Again, honorable mention. And the last honorable honorable mention is the Jaguar XKSS. Uh, I would pick a recreation. Uh, he did drive, uh, I'm drawing a blank, Steve McQueen's car. I think they called it the Green Rat on one of his episodes. So he, he remembers that car back when Steve McQueen used to drive it. He obviously loves this car. Um, I don't, you know, these are whatever, 10 to $13 million, $15 million for a real one. Uh, Jay could afford it, obviously. But I think he would have just as much fun in one of these recreations, whether it's by the factory or it's by one of the other uh, well-known outfits that makes a recreation of these cars. So those are the honorable mentions. Uh, all of those would be a great ad. Uh, my goal was originally to have Jay on this podcast to tell me why he did not have these in his collection, whether or not he had them before or there was a particular reason he did not have it, uh, have them in his collection. I think that would be a fabulous conversation, a lot of fun. Pretty fascinating. If you know Jay personally, forward him this podcast. Have him take a listen, and let's see if we can get him on. Maybe just talk about the 10 cars. Uh, 10 cars I would pick, and he could tell us why they are not currently in his collection, or if he has plans to, uh, to put them in his collection someday. All right, so now let's get on to my actual list. So I'm not going to flip to pictures yet. So if you're watching on uh, YouTube, I'll leave it on this beautiful Jaguar XKSS for a little while. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I do have one more car for an honorable mention. This really nice little Alfa Romeo. So this would be the Alfa Romeo GTA Junior. Now I picked this car because this was uh, the factory race car. Like they were street legal, but they were mostly meant to be raced. So uh, I, I believe it's the Corsa model has aluminum body parts, panels, bumpers, plexiglass windows, uh, little uh, four-cylinder engine, just a beautiful little car. That's another one I think would be a great add to uh, to Jay's collection. He loves the uh, European cars as well. All right, so we'll keep that on the YouTube channel for right now as I go into why I picked uh, these cars. Now, a lot of this came from the research I did. And so when I researched his collection, I 
tried to quantify the different kinds of engines that were present in his collection. Now this is gonna be 95% accurate, not 100% accurate, but pretty close. And it's pretty fascinating. So uh, we're gonna go from one cylinder, there were one cylinder cars, up to 16 cylinder cars, and then like alternative power cars. So of his 184 cars, he has zero one cylinder cars. So guess what is the first car on my list for him? A one cylinder car. All right, two cylinder cars, I counted 10. Three cylinder cars, I just counted one, a little sob. Four cylinder cars, he has 26 of those. Five cylinder cars, this really surprised me because there are some really nice performance five cylinder cars. He has zero. So guess what? There's a five cylinder car on my list. Six cylinder cars, he has 43 of those. Eight cylinder cars, as you would guess, that's the most in his collection, 67 cars. 10 cylinder cars, he has four. 12 cylinder cars, 15 of those. A lot of those are Lamborghinis and yeah, Lamborghinis. And then 16 cylinder cars, this surprised me as well. He did not have any 16 cylinder cars. So guess what? There's a 16 cylinder car on my list. All right, beyond that, I counted 10 steam cars, one turbine car, and then uh, seven cars I would put in the other category. So this might be like the EcoJet, um, you know, some of the alternative hybrid cars. So that added up to 184 cars. All right, now for the eras and decades, I found two notable misses. All right, so the first one, he doesn't have any cars from the 1890s. So I picked a car from that era. Now, obviously, that's right when cars were <laughs> first invented, so they're fairly rare. Uh, 1900s, I show he has eight cars. 1910s, he has 15. Uh, 1920s, 17 cars. 1930s, 28 cars. The 40s, he only has four cars. Now, that is a lot because of World War II. The 50s, I show 26 cars. The 60s, he has the most, 37 cars. Now, why would that be? Well, he was born in the 60s. And which year does he have the most of any car? 1966. And why? Because he was born in 1960. No, no. He was 16 in 1966. So 1966 uh, has the most cars in his collection. In the 1970s, there were 10 cars, 83 cars, 96 cars, 2013 cars, 2010, 16 cars, and 2020s, one at the time that I I reviewed this. I'm sure there's more that we just don't know about. Uh, there was an era that he does not have any cars that aren't actually broke and broken out by the decade. So 1976 to 1984, he has zero cars. And it's actually more of a stretch. He has one car from 1975. I believe it was given to him. I don't think it was a car that he would actually have bought. It was like a Duster Pro Street car. So I don't know. If you don't count that car, I think it goes back to like 1973. So there's another decade that is not represented. Uh, so I did capture one or two cars. All right, so like I said, he's missing the engines, one, one cylinder, five cylinder, 16 cylinders. He's missing the uh, 1890s, and he's missing the 1976 to 1984. Uh, missing the innovation, like the Miller race cars. And then there's a couple brands he's actually missing. Uh, famously, he's missing Ferrari, and I won't go into that. I did pick one or two Ferraris for his list. Uh, he doesn't have any BMWs, which really surprised me. And then there's a couple iconic cars he's missing, and I'll call those out because they actually made it onto my list. All right, so the first car that we're going to cover is the it's, it's a twofer. So this is not only 
uh, one car from 1898, but it's also a car that has one cylinder. Now I had a hard time finding a picture, so this picture is from Almi. Uh, the 19, I'm sorry, the 1898 Gabron Brilli was an early French automobile manufacturer from 1898 to 1930. Instead of a carburetor, a revolving petrol distributor was developed with the quantity of fuel being regulated by a drip feed. One advantage of this device was that a wide variety of fuels could be used. So like I said, that checks two boxes, the 1890s and it's a one cylinder car. Now we're gonna jump ahead numerous decades here. <laughs> uh, we're gonna jump all the way to 1989. Now this is not an attractive car, I would say, uh, but I picked it for a very specific reason. So a 1989 Audi 100 TDI. Audi presented another milestone in automotive history at the International Motor Show in Frankfurt in 1989, the Audi 100 TDI. It was the first production car with a five-cylinder direct injection turbocharged diesel engine and fully electronic control. The power plant generated 120 horsepower from a displacement of 2.5 liters. So if you're watching on YouTube, it's just a pretty bland, basic four-door sedan from the 1980s, but it was a milestone in automotive history. All right, the next one is another five cylinder so we can check that five cylinder box twice this is a car i absolutely love uh the 1976 to 1986 mercedes-benz w123 turbo diesel hotcars.com called it one of the best five cylinder cars ever uh the picture i have online is a pretty sky blue four-door version it's just such an iconic car my dad i don't remember they were diesel or not but he kind of restored or bought and sold two of these both dark green in the early 1980s, so I remember riding around in those. I thought it was such a cool car. All right, the next one we have to address is the big, so we've addressed the one cylinder to five cylinder. Now it's time to address the 16 cylinder. So we're gonna go big on this one. This is the 1930 Cadillac V16 Sport Phaeton. So I have some pictures here I can flip through. Cadillac was the first automaker to field a successful mass-produced V8. Still, the V8 wasn't enough for what Cadillac had coming in 1930, a flagship model that was a foot longer and upwards of half a ton heavier, and by chief engineer William Strickland's estimates would require at least 40%, a 40% power increase. Cadillac considered several options to increase power output Superchargers were seen as racing accessories that were too temperamental, adding a fourth gear to the transmission when it yielded enough of a real-world increase. Cadillac's engineers had, an, had experimented with different valve and head arrangements, but found they couldn't raise the engine's mean effective pressure without sacrificing low RPM refinement. This is from an article on Motor Trend. All right, enlarging the V8 presented several problems. Keeping the engine cool was one, and smoothness was another. Duesenberg was getting impressive power out of its straight eight, but Strickland didn't think it delivered the refinement expected by Cadillac's clientele. So the Duesenberg wasn't quite nice enough. All right, Cadillac intended the V16 uh, as a high-end engine for a halo car, and like several other luxury automakers, it was also developing a 12-cylinder engine for introduction a year later. When Cadillac launched uh, the V16 publicity blitz in December of 1929, the public and the press were completely taken by surprise. 
Uh, Jay loves his pre-war cars, and this would be a tremendous add uh, to his collection. So that would knock out the V16. All right, we're going to go with another V16, but this one's uh, much more modern. So this is uh, the Sizetta. The now, this is from Car and Driver. The pictures are from Arm Sotheby's. We've actually sold a few of these. If the car looks familiar, is is it was designed by the same designer that designed the Mura as well as the Diablo. Looks a lot like a Diablo. The limited production uh, Cezetta V16 supercar is defined by its engine. The 566.0 liter V16 in its belly isn't a true V16. If you go by firing order and construction, it's merely two flat plane V8 sharing a single block and joined by a central timing case. This makes it no less insane because the engine is mounted transversely. A central shaft feeds power into rear mounted into a rear mounted transaxle. They are rarer than honest politicians with just a tiny number built. I believe it was something crazy like 11. And if you're watching online here, uh, it has the ultimate flip up headlights. It actually has four flip up headlights. I'll see if I can get to a picture here, but really, really cool looking. Uh, this would be a lot to work on because I think the electronics would also probably be a mess. Uh, but super cool, beautiful car because it does look like a Diablo. And it looks like I'm not going to get to any flipped up pop-up headlight pictures here. But that is okay. All right. So next, we're going to talk about another 16-cylinder car. But it's not a V16. This would be the W16. So we're going over to the Bugatti world with the Veyron. So let's see. Descriptors such as the world's fastest and 100 plus horsepower sure to get you waved into the most visible and privileged parking spots at your local cars and coffee. But they just scratched the surface of the Bugatti Veyron story. Everything else on this car's data sheet from the engine specs to MSRP is as breathtaking now as when the car came to market in 2005. The one I'm showing online right here is coming up to Arm Sotheby's Paris sale. Uh, let's see, it's a 2009 Bugatti Veyron Grand Sport. Beautiful red and black. Normally I wouldn't like the red, but the chrome wheels, uh, other chrome bits really set it off nicely. Beautiful car. So that would be a cool add, obviously, to Jay. He has some of the original Bugattis. Uh, he has Veyron's original. I think it was a Bugatti Type 35. Uh, he owns the one that this car was named after. Uh, he owns his personal car. Very, very cool. All right, next, I want to check the box on the 1976 to 19, whatever it was, 84 time frame. And I want to check the box on the BMWs. And uh, this is a really cool car. So I picked BMW E30 Alpina. Now, this is a 1979 Alpina B6. So it's based on the 6 Series. Uh, so Alpina basically just took these cars and took them up to the next level. Not necessarily performance-wise. But uh, they had a nice graphics package, wheels, um, some little ads to the car, usually in a little bit more luxurious package. So this is a very early one. They didn't make a ton of these. Uh, the note here from RM is number 51 of just 533 such models produced from November 1978 through January 1983. Now this one is finished in a really cool color, Zypressingen Metallic with Alpina Graphics. Really cool car. Uh, I really like the fact uh, if you find one of these early ones because they are uh, so rare. Uh, just a really, really neat little car. And then it's a BMW. So that's really cool as well. All right. The next one is a fun story. So uh, I have a friend, a collector, 
and he is known for his eclectic collection of cars. And so the first time I went to his place, uh, I walked in and it's everything from Japanese JDM cars to Virgil Exner cars, design cars, 50s cars, a lot of odd stuff. And I, I forgot how it came up, but basically he's like, oh yeah, there's a car in here that Jay Leno would love to have. And I told him, I said, wait, I want to pick it out. So as I'm walking around, you know, I don't know, there's 60, 70 cars here. I come across this car. I'm like, that's the car that Jay wants. He's like, oh, you're absolutely right. So what is it? It's a 1935 Hoffman X8 prototype. So it's kind of a funky looking car. I do have one picture online here right now from conceptcars.com. It's a four door, uh, but both the front doors open like a suicide door. What's cool is, I, I won't get the specifics here, right? Cause I'm not doing a deep dive, but it was basically designed by someone in the auto industry. So much so that the body panels were actually, I believe pressed steel. So it's not like it's a fly by night prototype car. It was really well done. And the reason I said Jay would want it is because of that X8. Uh, it's not a V8, it's not a W8, it's, or a W16. It's an X8, so it's a, it's its own configuration for a V8, the way the cylinder heads go. Uh, it's kind of an, an, X, uh, an X configuration versus a V. So really, really cool car. He no longer owns that car. He sold it somewhere. I haven't seen it pop up in Jay's garage, uh, but uh, I would love to see it pop up there one day. All right, so I am going to pick two Ferraris for Jay's list. Uh, one's obvious, one's not so obvious. On uh, one of his episodes, Jay mentioned that his favorite Ferrari was the coupe version of the 1966 330 GT 2+2. So that's what I've picked. That is what I'm showing online here right now. It's an attractive car. I don't remember exactly why uh, Jay picked this one. I seem to recall um, it one came by at some point in his neighborhood and he was just blown away uh, what a beautiful car it was. And it's a 2 plus 2. So you can hit two of your tiny friends in the back seat. Uh, now the next one, I won't pull up a picture here because I've pulled them up so many times, is the F40. Everybody knows about the F40. I only bring that one up because when David Lee brought his to Jay's garage and Jay drove it, um, I think he really, really enjoyed that car, uh, just how brutal it was. Um, and so um, analog, I guess is the best way to put it. It seemed like he really enjoyed that car. So I think that would obviously be a great ad. All right, next, uh, I did mention missing an iconic car. And this is one of them, the Aston Martin DB5. Now this is such a beautiful car, such an iconic car. And Jay has mentioned this one in the past that when he wanted to buy one, they were, he thought they were a little pricey, but they only went up from there. And uh, one recently just sold that I was very familiar with, a Maroon on Maroon for about 550, which I thought was a steal for that particular car. Uh, so I think this would be a great add to Jay's collection. And I'm sure he would agree on that one as well. All right, next, we're gonna go back to the BMWs because there's a few. Uh, I'll, I'll pick two here, the BMW M1 uh, from the late 70s, early 80s, and then the BMW 507, which I have pictures here. Uh, two seat Roadster, very rare. They make very few of these. Uh, only 217 Series 2 507s were built. I don't think it. they reached over 300 for all of uh, 507 production. Uh, such a cool car. He does have a 300 SL Roadster. Uh, this one would slide in perfectly beside it. All right, what's next? We only have a few more left here. 
Uh, next, and this is more for the V10, is the Lexus LFA. Uh, so iconic Lexus supercar, the picture I'm sharing right now, hopefully just sold at RM Sotheby's Scottsdale auction, which happened last night as I uh, released this. Beautiful red on red, V10. I had always thought that these only sounded good once they got up into rev range. Um, I was actually on the uh, photograph uh, photography session for the car you're looking at now online and this thing sounded incredible uh, just at idle you know at going 15 miles an hour it just sounded incredible so this would be a tremendous add to Jay's collection and I know he's had a, he's had a few of these uh, on his show before um, really really cool car all right, we're going to go back old again. Now we're going to go back to the Datsun 240Z. I don't have a picture of the one I want him to get. The one I think he should get is the first year, 1969 uh, 240Z, just because it was such an iconic car, uh, really a world beater at the time, and ushered in all of the Japanese sports cars coming to the U.S. Um, just an incredible car. 1969, first year. I want to say they, they had made a, less than 500 of those. So they're fairly rare, fairly cool. That would be a really cool add to Jay's collection. And the other Toyota I'll mention he's had on his show as well is the Toyota 2000 GT. This is examples 1967. Uh, this was one of the first supercars, uh, really the only Toyota supercar ever. Uh, he might not have one of these because uh, he's, I think he's like six feet tall. And I do recall that when um, Sean Connery had one of these for the James Bond series. They had to make it into a spider, a convertible, because uh, Sean Connery could not fit in it. And I believe Jay actually drove that car on one of his episodes. Uh, so one of the reasons might be, uh, it just would not be comfortable to drive this. But really cool car, really iconic, attractive car as well. All right, so the last one I'm going to pick, ironically, is not a car. It is a truck. Uh, some people call it the Rambo Lambo. So this is the Lamborghini LM002. Uh, LM stands for Lamborghini Military, and 002 is because there was uh, an 001 prototype, if I remember correctly. This totally needs to go in Jay's collection because he loves Lamborghinis. He has uh, quite a few of them. I think a Gallardo. I know he has two Muras, um, a couple of Countaches, um, but this would fit perfectly in his collection. And obviously, Knows the engine very well. It's the same engine that's in the Countach. This is a front engine V12. My understanding is the hardest part to find on these are the tires. Uh, I think they're called Scorpion tires. Very rare. Um, beautiful, beautiful sport ute. This would be a perfect add to Jay's collection. So there you have it. 17 cars that I think should be in Jay's collection. Like I said, if you know Jay personally, have him take a listen. Love for him to talk about it. Or if he wants to pick his top 10 and tell us why they are not in his collection, or if they will be in his collection sometime soon. Uh, as always, thanks for listening, thanks for watching, thanks for sharing, and I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.